you'll turn to Genesis, uh, I'm going to be moving around a little bit in, in the Scripture, so if you'd like to just remain seated. Uh, this is more like, I'm hoping this is going to be like Wednesday school instead of Sunday school. So Genesis, let's see where we're going to start. Turn to Genesis 2. Today, uh, we live in a crazy world, and uh, people don't know what to believe, what not to believe, and uh, it seems like you hear the term, word, seriously, used a lot. Just out in the break room today, we just talked about current events on the news and things, and the guys were going, seriously? You know, it's like a question, seriously? Well, it's not supposed to be a question, it's supposed to be serious, you know? It seems like it's gotten messed up and turned around. It actually means earnest in the dictionary and to be taken sincerely uh, and to be considered. But today, like I said, it's like uh, it's being used to raise question of anything that's being said. And uh, for example, I wrote down, a dad asked the boy, hey, would you mow the yard? The boy goes, seriously? With a push mower? Oh, man. You know, and then, uh, like I said, it's almost a f- form of rebellion anymore. They'll go, seriously? You know, do I have to do that? Seriously? And the boss gives a worker a task. Maybe it's a little bit more than he's used to doing, you know. He's thinking, seriously? To himself. And then I was thinking uh, about the guy that started a new job. He's told he's supposed to be at work at 7, punched in, ready to go. Goes two or three days, great. And then he's late. Boss gets on him, and he's thinking, seriously? You're getting on to me for being late? Well, yeah, you know, you should be. And uh, <clears throat> something kind of funny there at work, uh, we got a short side of our building, we got a tall part of our building that's 40 foot high. And earlier this year, they had me labeling all the pipes, the natural gas, the water, and all this stuff, you know, and that wasn't bad on the low side. Well, then we get this big scissor lift that goes 40 feet, and the boss was telling me, yeah, Austin's kind of like you get up there and go ahead and continue with those pipes in this tall building. I'm thinking, seriously? <laughs> I'm, not really, I'm not really looking forward to it. I'm sure not going to volunteer. I'm going to retire in February, so I'm praying that they'll, I'll get there and somebody else will get to go up in the lift. But I'll do it, you know, because I like to eat. So. so anyway, but, you know, when it comes to the Word of God, and dealing with God and His Word. Seriously? Yes. Seriously, yes. The Word of God should be taken seriously. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know, it's just like you don't see much of that anymore. You know, you, you might work with people or go to school with people, kids that go to different kinds of churches, and it's like it, they don't mean anything to them, you know? And... Uh, the way they live, it doesn't show. You know, if they go to church even. They don't talk about church. They don't talk about the Lord. And so, but the Word of God is to be taken seriously. So we're going to look at a few people here that didn't take the Lord seriously. Starting out in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. I've got to get these things on. Uh, 
Okay. Everybody there? The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of the good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in that day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, if God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, Seriously? I added that. You shall not surely die. The devil raising question, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that they eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So, it's almost like you could hear, hear the devil say it. And of course, you know what happened. They did eat of it, and uh, things went bad. You know, things could have discontinued them in real well. God fellowship them with them in the garden all the time. But uh, they went ahead and sinned against God. So uh, the Bible says, I'll kind of go into this, Eve, she suffered in childbirth, uh, just like our ladies do today. Men, we have to suffer sweating on our jobs. Uh, I tell you this, our work's not always going to be fun because of that curse that got put on mankind. So, you know, don't expect everything to just be happy all the time at work. So uh, then they got, the sad thing is, no animals had to be shed for covering for skin. So there's death there. They seen death in that. And then they also seen death in the murder of their son Abel by their son Cain. So a terrible thing, you know. They could have took things a little more serious. But Cain, uh, if you read on in like verse 15 there. Let's see. Where am I at? Okay. Here we go. Let's look at uh, chapter 4, verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is I, Abel, thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And in verse 15, the Lord said unto him, Cain was... Scared to death for his life, of course, because he just figured everybody's going to uh, punish him and kill him for killing Abel. But the Lord's grace is shown. The Lord said in verse 15 unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. So we see God's grace there with Cain. I thought that was kind of a neat deal. Okay, then turn to Genesis 13, verse 8. We're going to look at this fellow Lot and Abraham, Abram and Lot. Uh, Abraham was uh, Lot's uncle, and he had been taking care of Lot, raising Lot, uh, helping Lot uh, gain and prosper. And uh, things uh, got so big, and it was both so prosperous, they had to be separated. So, 
Verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. So they had to be separated out. But Abraham, Abram was a man that did take God serious. It was obvious in his life and how he'd been prospered by God. He did take God serious. And, uh, but not Lot, even though Lot grew up seeing that every day of his life. He's seen how God was blessing Abram, but he, did, he didn't catch on to it. And uh, he didn't take God seriously. In verse 10, 13, 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes, beheld all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. And in verse uh, 13, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So there's Sodom, the whole city, did not take God seriously at all, because they was wicked and sinful. Uh, if they knew how God felt about sin, they wouldn't have been that way. But... Uh, so Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and the men were wicked. And it says, uh, uh, chapter 14, there was four kings that went to battle with these other five kings. <clears throat> uh, and two of them was the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, uh, and they, they conquered Sodom and Gomorrah. And man's lot was there. He got taken captive and, and drugged away. And Abram heard of this, so he went and uh, rescued uh, Lot to bring him back home. And you look at that like that could have been another chance that Lot could have had by, by taking God seriously. But again, he didn't. So hope, you know, we're learning something out of this. You go to Genesis 19. Verse 1. Okay. And there came two angels of Sodom at evening, and the lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And lot seeing them rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray thee, into your servant's house, tarry all night, wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly and turned in unto him, entered into his house, and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. <clears throat> so these guys were there, and they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in thee this night? Oh, these, these are the men of the city. They want to know where these guys, they didn't know, realize they were angels, want to know where they went to. And of course, Lot had them in his house, but these men wanted to do bad things to them because, that, like I said, that city was full of wickedness. And uh, Lot was so wicked that he even offered his daughters to these guys. And I just can't believe a dad could do something like that, be that wicked. So anyway, the angel said, stand back. And they said again, one fellow came in, so adjourns, needs to judge, now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break his door down. 
But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot in, back into the house and shut the door. And they, they smote the men that were at the door at the house with blindness, most small and great, and they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Haste thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in this city, bring them out of this place. The angels are saying, Hey, you got a wife, you got daughters, you got son-in-laws, you got possessions, you need to get out of here now. Okay? For we will destroy this place because of the cry of them that's waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto the sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get ye out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But it seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. They just laughed at him. Because his life was so wicked, he didn't live for God at all. He lived like the rest of them men in that city, wicked. So these son-in-laws just laughed at him. And when morning arose, when the angels hastened Lot, tried to hasten Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. So you see, it didn't mention the son-in-laws there. But then Lot, he lingered, and the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all this plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Lot says, Oh, not so, my Lord. He wasn't singing, I want that mountain. He's afraid to go there. He's, he's afraid there's some, something's going to happen to him. He went and did what these angels told him to do. Now, but behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. Thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. He's still not trusting God. He thinks something's going to happen to him. Behold now, this city is near thee unto, it's a little one, oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? And he said unto him, see, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city, for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. So they let Lot go to this little town for protection that he wouldn't be punished or he'd be saved through what was getting ready to happen. And the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord of heaven. And he overthrew, overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city which grew up on the ground. So God destroyed these two cities for their wickedness. And uh, sad to say, a lot of that stuff that was going on there is going on in our country today. I just thank God for His grace and mercy. It's got to be the only reason He hasn't done the same thing to us. But uh, it's sad. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So Lot, he still wouldn't listen. 
he lost uh, lost his wife. Uh, he did. He was able to escape the fire and brimstone. And uh, read here a little bit further. So Abraham got up early in the morning to a place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of the furnace. There wasn't anything left of these huge cities. It's just burning. And verse 30, And Lot went up out of Zor, and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zor. He dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. So they gave him what he wanted. They gave him a little town, a little city to live in. But he was afraid of that, so he goes and lives in a cave of his two daughters. I think it might have been the first man cave, maybe. I don't know. But it, it wasn't a very good one. All right. So there's the guys thinking about Lot and Adam and Eve. They didn't take God seriously. We've seen what happened to them. That's for our example uh, for today. Uh, We just need to obey God, take Him seriously. So we're going to switch gears here a little bit, and we're going to look at some folks that did take the Lord seriously. We're still in Genesis, but we need to run over to chapter 37. Genesis 37. Here's a young man named Joseph that did take God seriously. And he's only 17 years old here where we're starting out. And uh, he had a rough beginning. Uh, things weren't really great. He was, uh, had a bunch of brothers. Uh, Joseph was the favored uh, son of uh, Jacob. Loved him the most. The brothers knew it. They didn't like it. They were jealous. And top it off, he liked to uh, go around kind of picking on him a little bit, being a little brat. And uh, so they hated him even, even more because he could, he could interpret these dreams. And it bothered them because they couldn't do anything like that. And he'd start telling them different things about what's going to happen. So they didn't like it. So they decided to get rid of him. So they take him out and uh, they throw him into a pit where they normally where they catch animals. And they're just going to leave him there and let an animal eat him. But Reuben, one of the brothers, he didn't want that to happen, so he kind of was with Joseph there. And so they, uh, they ta- he talked them out of it. So then they looked at these guys traveling by, and they thought, well, heck, why should we slay him when we can make some money off of him? So they was going to turn him into a slave, and they did sell him to these guys for 20 shekels, I think it said, silver. And uh, so he's taken from his father, loved him. And he's being turned into a slave. Not good, not a good time, bad times. But the Lord was still with him. And um, let me see here my next verse. Looks like we need to go to chapter 39. Okay. So Joseph winds up in Egypt with Potiphar, 
and uh, Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Israelites, which had brought him down thither. So he went through those guys. Now he's in Egypt with uh, Potiphar, uh, officer of Pharaoh. And verse 2, though, I love it. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Through all that things that were going on, all the bad times that Joseph was going through, but the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made him all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and served him and made him an overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. Wow. And it came to pass from that time he had made him overseer in his house over all he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. So there's a reason why being seriously for, serious for the Lord, this man seen it. Uh, his master seen that God was with him. And wherever we're at in school or on the job, uh, wherever we're at around our family, they need to see it. We take the Lord seriously. And to, that the Lord blesses us for doing that. He does. So, and they'll see how God, ble- he, he's, you know, he'll bless you for it, for being serious. And plus, you'll have an influence on people, which possibly the Lord can use you to see them save, saved. So, so, things were going pretty good there for a little bit. In verse 7, it came to pass after these things, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said his master's wife, behold, my master walketh not what is with me in the house and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither have he kept back anything from thee, because thou art, thou art his wife. How can I do this great wickedness of sin against God? And it came to pass, she spake to Joseph day by day. She just kept on him. And uh, so finally, she went after him. And she caught him by his garment, ripped him out of his coat, and he fled. That was the right thing to do. He just took off. And uh, so then, but then she lies about the whole story, saying that Joseph was attacking her and coming on to her. So then Joseph winds up in prison again. So, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed Joseph's hand. All the prisoners that were in prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Again, Joseph being a testimony of this keeper of the jail. And he's, he trusts him so much, he just turns the whole thing over to him. Okay. So the Lord had a purpose for Joseph. You know, if you've read the story about going through all this, the good and the bad times. But he winds up being the, the head of Egypt. And uh, his brothers and them, there's a phantom. And it got to where they was needing some food. So they went to Egypt. And lo and behold, they come up 
to Joseph, and they do not recognize him, but Joseph knows who they are. He had a little bit of fun with them, but he wasn't too mean to them. And uh, so, but Joseph, God used to spare his family's life, not only his family's life, but a nation. And uh, he says at the end of this, chapter 50, verse 18 and 20, And Joseph revealed himself, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. He's in God's stead. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So the Lord had... Uh, <clears throat> Had all, you know, he knew all this was going on. He knew this was happening to Joseph. Uh, but you think about what if Joseph would have gave up and quit taking God seriously? What would have happened to his family? What would have happened to the nation? And uh, so it's an important thing to, that we need to hang in there. So now we need to run over to uh, Daniel. He's another guy that took God seriously. It's after Ezekiel. All right. He had an, he's another guy had a rough start. He was taken captive uh, by King ne Nebuchadnezzar and uh, him and some friends. And uh, the king wanted the, the smartest, uh, the most handsome young men that he could get a hold of. And so Daniel was one of those guys. And uh, the king was going to really take real good care of him. He's going to feed him the finest food, the finest meat, and everything. But Daniel didn't want to take part in the king's meat. In verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel in, into favor, favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Then not how God takes care of people when they take him seriously? He had, he had these guys finding favor in him. Once again, they seen God in Daniel. But Daniel purposed in his heart. I think that's a very important lesson. Uh, no matter if you've been saved just a few months or a year or 40 years, we just need to remember that we need to purpose in our hearts that we're not going to defile our God, if anything. And uh, like Daniel did. So, so that went on. And... Uh, Again, he went through bad things, good things. We'll turn to chapter 3, verse 19. <clears throat> then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. The form of vigence, vigence was changed against Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should, not, that they should heat the furnace... Uh, 
one seven times more than was wont to be heated, seven times hotter. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind them and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats and their hosen, their hats and their garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace was exceeding, exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The men that were throwing them in, they were consumed. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, fell down bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. He rose up in haste, spake unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of that fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men in there, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. God was right in there with them. Okay. So let's jump over to Daniel chapter 6. Verse 4. See how God can turn things around again. And then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error of fault found in him. Man, they couldn't find a thing with this guy, so they had to come up with a scheme to get Daniel in trouble with the king. And uh, these kings like Darius, he liked Daniel. But he had made this decree of these men had talked him into. They found out that Daniel did not obey it. So in verse 16, the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. The king was even believing it. Amen. And... Uh, <clears throat> So the stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signa, with the signa of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. He was sealed up with the lions. So then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. He didn't want Daniel to be eaten. And uh, so he went there. He rose up early in the morning. He made haste. He ran to that den, see what was going on. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamented voice unto Daniel. And the king spake, said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, excuse me, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths. They have not hurt me, for as much before him innocence was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. So the Lord stepped in again because Daniel had taken him serious all this time, all of his life. God always steps, always stepped in with him. Let's see. Got one more wrote down here. It's Daniel 16. Is there such a thing? <laughs> what is that about? 
There isn't no 16. <laughs> wow. That's what I wrote down. Okay. So we've seen what those guys taking God seriously and what God did for them. Now we're going to shift one more gear here. I don't even know what time it is. Am I doing all right? <laughs> all right. So now let's look at us today. How serious are we? Uh, and the most important, most serious thing we can do, those here tonight and maybe watching on live stream, is take God's salvation seriously. If you're not saved, uh, this is a very serious thing. And it's something that I don't, if you don't get anything else tonight, I hope you get this part. Uh, in Visions 2, 8, 9, I'll try and quote it. The scripture says, For by faith that you're saved through grace, that it's not of works, and I'm messing it up. The old word, nervous. I'll make sure I do things right here. I want to make sure everybody understands this. Okay? Okay. Visions 2, 8, and 9. <clears throat> For by grace are you saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is a free gift that God provided for us on the cross of Calvary when he died and hung there for our sin. That's the only way to heaven. And uh, if you'll turn to Romans, the good old Romans road, we call it. Verse 10, or chapter 10, Romans, verse 9. <clears throat> that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For if the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can't get much simpler than that. Uh, it's all in Christ. Uh, but the one catch is you just can't believe it in your head. You've got to believe it in your heart that Christ died for you. And if you don't have to turn there, but let me read 1 Corinthians here. Verse 15, verse 1. This is uh, Paul speaking of the gospel. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which ye have heard, have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I've preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So I hope you don't fit into this one. I hope you, when you did get saved, that you did believe that you didn't believe in vain, but you actually believed in your heart that Christ died for you. And that's uh, verse 3, For I deliver in first of all that I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Amen. And he was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scripture. And he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve. And after that he was seen above five hundred brethren at once. 
whom the greater part remain of this present, but some have fallen asleep. So, just make sure you did that seriously, okay? That you seriously believe in your heart that Christ died for you. I did that back in December of 79, 1979. going to be 42 years. And uh, I still remember it like as yesterday. How that I received Christ as my Savior and uh, changed my, my life, my wife's life. She got saved the same night. Two weeks later, we was married. And we've been in this church ever since. And uh, God is it, real. It's real. Because we did it seriously. And uh, it just changed our, our lives completely. And uh, the old desires that I had that were wrong and sinful, I had no more. I didn't want to do them anymore. And the Lord just gave me a, uh, made me a new creature, as the Bible says. And uh, this is, is all, this, uh, I was reborn. Just starting all over, and uh, for life in Christ, and I wasn't living for myself anymore. So, but seriously, that's the the most important thing we need to do. Uh, and there's other things that are serious for us too. After we're saved, you know, baptism is important. Uh, getting in, and when you're baptized, you become a member of our church. Uh, then you get to hang out with people like us, you know, find out what, what we're really like. Could be, you know, hopefully good. But you kind of see what we do around here, and you can get involved and start serving the Lord with us. We'd love to see that. And uh, if you want to, you know, newer folks in the church, if you want to know what's going on, just ask us, you know. But uh, so baptism's important. And now I got another one here. I think it's going to be probably my last thing. I got another little, I got another little mini sermon here. I thought if I needed <laughs> fill in a little more time, but I think I'll save it. Okay. Prayer is something that we need to take seriously, and uh, I'm begging you, if please, for your sakes and for the sakes of your brothers and sisters, would you pray for one another? Pastor's always telling us pray for one another, and. Uh, I hope you got one of these, the daily prayer sheet for everybody. And uh, I use this continually. And the neat thing about it is I've got written in here where God has answered a bunch of prayer. And it just makes you, uh, it encourages you that God is listening to us. And it's really neat to see when God answers your prayer, you know, your prayer. And like I said, the, the church, we all need it. We all need prayer one time or another. And uh, you'll come to church on Wednesday or a Sunday and you'll hear a prayer request by somebody and they're in here and you can write that in beside them and then you can go back and write it in where God answered it. So it's good for you. It's good for you. So, so our prayers, uh, seeing what God can do, if we'll ask him to, you got to ask him. He's not going to do anything for us unless we ask him to do things for us. And uh, like I said, I just uh, thank you for your attention. I hope I made some sense, but... uh